0: So today, I'm going to talk to you. This is not my title, but I I want to talk to you about the power of a made-up mind. I want to talk to you about what a difference it makes when you really make up your mind that you're going to serve the Lord. And the devil doesn't know what to do with people that make up their minds. He really doesn't. Because when you have a made-up mind and you fall down, your mind's already made up so you know you're not staying there. It doesn't change your mind because you made a mistake. Your mind was made up that that you're going to win, that you're going to make heaven your home. And if you make a mistake, you've already made up your mind, so you get back up and you keep pressing on into what you told the Lord you were going to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. John chapter 6, if you would join me there. Um, I'm going to give you a quick overcap of what's going on, and then we're going to pick up. Uh, later on in the chapter, so at the opening of the chapter, you have the five loaves, the two fish, very, very powerful. Um, lots of followers came after Jesus, and so then uh, the scripture said that, um, that he departed himself again. Um, they, had, they had said that he was a prophet because he had multiplied the loaves and fish, and then they were so enamored with the miraculous that Jesus said when he saw that they were going to make him a king, he felt like the best thing to do, you'll find this in uh, about verse 14 and 15, that he slips off by himself again into the wilderness. He separates himself from the crowd. And then that night he comes walking on the ocean, like, on the sea, just like, like no big deal. He just, I mean, you don't read about that every day. He just comes walking on the water, and his disciples looked up, and apparently they were, they were tripping just a little bit when they saw somebody walking on water. And he said, don't be afraid, it's me. So he, he got on the boat with them. So he's working miracles. He's doing things that, that would cause even the unbeliever to believe. There's now food where there wasn't food. Not only food, more than enough food. Gather up fragments. And then he comes walking on the water. And then by verse 41, they begin to murmur, not about his miracle-working power, but about his doctrine. Because it always costs more to buy in than it does to just receive the miracle. Okay? And so they're, they're, they're kind of murmuring. So um, he says to them that he is the bread of life. And if, if, you, don't, if you don't eat of, of me, then eat of my flesh, then, then I have no life with you. So by verse 60 is where I'd like to pick up today and, and read a little bit. We're kind of skimming the whole chapter. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Oh, if we could only teach on just that one verse for a while. This is a hard saying. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured added, he said unto them, Does this offend you? Are you offended? What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? And again, so much doctrine here. It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing, the words that I speak unto you They are spirit, and they are life. Somebody say they are life, and they are spirit. But there are some of you that believe not. This is is life, and this is spirit, but you choose not to believe. There are some of you that do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were. Think about that now. He knew that there were people in the crowd that would not believe, and he kept on reaching. Because it was worth it if just one would believe. He knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. From that time, many of his disciples went back. So powerful from that time many of his disciples went back they went away and they walked no more with him then he turns to his core to his 12 and he says to them will you also go away will you also go back will you also leave and then The assured one, the one who is convinced that thou art the Christ. He lifts his voice again and he asks this question, Lord, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? Because you have the words of eternal life. To whom shall we go? And we Believe Now listen, Peter starts, Simon Peter starts speaking up for the group. We believe and we are sure that thou art the Christ. We believe and we are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. From that time, from that time, many of his disciples went back. That word back is also transliterated away. So you, from that time, and you see that in the very next verse, because he said, well, you also go away. From that time, many of his disciples went away. But it's interesting, the way that they went away was back. This is where we get the understanding of backsliding. They went away. They backslid. Why? Because it was no longer about what he could do for them. It was about whether or not they were willing to live for him. I want to ask you today a simple question. What's the alternative? What's the alternative? And you may be seated in Jesus' name. I've been stuck for a while in John 6. I can't, I can't shake it because I feel, I feel this, is, this is one of the most accurate depictions of human nature that you'll find anywhere in the Scripture. In the thought process that as long as loaves and fish are being handed out, you're going to always find partakers. Jesus deals with the human nature, the human spirit, the the human idea in this chapter, if you go back and read it, because he said to them, he said, you're following me because of the bread. You're following me because you were hungry and I fed you. And this is very interesting, you know, um, being raised, I I heard an old saying they, they used to talk about. Uh, if you give a man a fish, you feed him a meal. And if you teach him to fish, then you feed him for a lifetime. And so what kind of happens here, and I'm going to draw this picture for you. Is it okay if I start slow right now? We're going to kind of 747 jet this thing instead of a helicopter and just lift, lift off. I, I need a little runway here to, to help somebody. Because most of the time you're going to find out uh, in order it happens like this. They came to Jesus first out of curiosity. They were curious about him. They had heard his teachings and they had heard that he could do miracles. So it was curiosity that brought them to the wilderness where he was to get away after John Baptist had, had died. So curiosity brought them to see. Curiosity will cause people to peek their head in the door. But curiosity is often associated with nothing but good intention. Because curiosity has a spirit like this. If he can provide for me, I'll stay with him. As long as he is dividing the bread, dividing the fish, multiplying. As long as he is the multiplier, I believe I could follow his ministry. And so curiosity brings them there. And hunger causes them to stay human need you find very often that this is manifested throughout scriptural story the woman who had tried everything that she could but had an issue in her body for 12 years she'd spent all that she had she gave it the best that she could for 12 years but curiosity got the best of her because listen to the language as she said in herself, if I may, but touch the hem of his garment. If is a great big two-letter word. If I can't, I'm curious if I can just touch him today. I wonder what would happen. I really wonder if I can touch him, if I would be made whole. If I can just touch the hem of his garment. And so curiosity and human need bring people to Jesus. It happens all the time. There are things that, that happen around this church that that we do sometimes. And I want to be very careful how I say this because I understand he that give it to the poor shall not lack. I get that. That's all part of it. But I want to tell you that um, it's very hard to build a church on people that just want freebies. We've had food pantries and food banks in this church and, and motive matters. It matters why you give. Your heart has to be pure when you give, but we used to do food giveaways here all the time on a weekly basis. We had a food pantry it was open like two days a week, and then every month we would do tailgates where people would come and receive uh, fresh produce and things we provided. And so, what was very interesting, we started catching up on things that we would see them in this parking lot today, and then the next day, another church had, and that that car was in the parking lot getting the same thing, and. So one day we had this interesting thing happen, and I'll never forget how interesting it was. Um, this, the, these people were amazing. They were pulling up in really, really nice cars. Now, not all of them, so, so this is not just a blanket statement. But some of them were pulling up in some pretty nice cars. I mean, their rims were worth more than, than some people's cars. And this older gentleman pulled in in a pretty nice vehicle. I, I would say he was retired. He was retirement age, pulled up in a nice vehicle. And that day we had the refrigerator truck here in the parking lot. And uh, we had really nice organic spinach, mixed spinach leaves, salads, um, big containers of, of really nice salad. And so we're all out in the parking lot. We're serving, standing in the heat, serving in this man's car. He pulls up and he says, let me see what you got. And so we said, well, today, sir, we've got organic greens and blah, blah, blah. And he looks and he said, ah, it's rabbit food. I don't want it. And he pulled off. And so I realized it was curiosity that brought him here. He was curious what we could give. And when it wasn't something that agreed with his palate, it wasn't hard to pull away. If we'd have had a box full of Snickers, we'd still be in line. it's very interesting how people are they're curious as to what you can give and so after a while you find out you're you're not always just ministering to need sometimes you're just ministering to curiosity because a lot of people became very selective about whether or not they wanted the food pantry based on what we had to offer if it wasn't the kind of corn they liked, people started brand shopping They did. I'm not kidding. People would brand shop the food pantry. If it wasn't a particular kind of canned food that they liked, they didn't want it. We did, how many of you remember the thousand boxes? We gave a thousand uh, uh, Thanksgiving boxes away one year, a thousand turkeys. We bombarded Wally World. We ordered a thousand frozen turkeys. We filled those boxes. It was a beautiful uh, meal for four. We had scalloped potatoes. Like, this is a big mistake on Sunday mornings. I'm just telling you, it is. You people get hungry, and I can't preach five more minutes. We had scalloped potatoes. We had stovetop uh, dressing stuffing. We had, uh, seemed like green beans. We had yam, sweet potatoes. We had, man, it was a great little box we put together. And all you had to do was take it home, mix it up, put it in the oven. So, for what three or four days, the phones rang off the hook when we opened it up. Like I mean, it was unbelievable. We had extra volunteers in here. Both phone lines were nonstop for th- probably three days, and people were calling, reserving their box. And by the end of that day, I, I don't remember. I'm sure we counted. I don't remember how many we had left. But that whole section in front of the from the welcome center to the to the closet, to the broom closet was full of boxes that still had frozen chicken and food because people, people weren't coming to get it. We were giving full Thanksgiving dinner and people that called to reserve it didn't come get it. And so we're literally dispatching teams just going around knocking on doors and saying, Hey, could we give you a meal for four for Thanksgiving dinner? And they're like, no, thanks, we already have it. Thank you. I'm sure there's somebody else that needs it. And after a while, you start picking up on this weird thing. I don't even know how to explain it. Uh, of the spirit of people, and we'll, ne- we'll never stop giving. We're always, and, and if somebody needs it, we'll give them 50 Thanksgiving meals. I don't care. We want to give to people. We want to take care of people. My point is... It is curiosity that often calls people to come because when people call and they say, "Uh, we heard you're giving away meals, right? Yeah, well, could you tell me what's in the box? Like, if you're hungry, it don't matter. (laughs) See, y'all don't even know what I'm doing right now. Like, I am preaching my socks off right now. And some of you don't know it because I haven't spit it to the fifth row yet. I haven't even lifted my voice, and I'm preaching right now. When you're really, really hungry, it doesn't matter what it tastes like. When, when, When you're really hungry, you don't come peeking over the box. When when you're really, really hungry, you don't say, uh, uh, could you tell me what you're preparing for me right now? When you're really hungry, you sit down with a different mindset that says, I am so hungry that I am willing to eat. Lord, whatever you have prepared for me, I'm willing to eat that. But here's, here's, here's what we find. We find that people who are already full will leave a full box of food. Oh, man, I'm preaching right now. Full people don't receive the meal. And so when you fill yourself up all the time and you're not hungry, is it any wonder that you could walk into the house of God where the bread of life is being prepared, and you can say, I don't even get fed there. There's only one reason I don't get fed when I go hear somebody preach. I'm full. Woohoo! I'm full. I get really, really full, and I get full on things. I don't know how your kids are. I I, I can talk about my kids a little bit. Uh, the other night we were uh, we just spent a few days up in Wisconsin, and uh, we go to a small town in Wisconsin called Oshkosh. It's about the size of Anderson, like sixty thousand people, and there are hundreds of thousands of people that converge up there. Uh, uh, it's I don't even know how I talk my family into it. Honestly, um, we stayed in our travel trailer with no electricity and no water. Nothing. I I don't know how I do that with kids, especially girls. Um, are are my girls in here today? Are they? They're, okay, they're they're serving good. I can say whatever I want to say. <laughs> you guys will see this tom- tomorrow tonight when you're rewatching, so it's all good. Uh, so we we like stay in our travel trailer and i hook up a generator and so sometimes it just turns into a glorified tent and it's hot and i hear about it and um so like one of the highlights of the day was we had some friends there that we were going to meet for dinner at at a at a nice place very nice place uh, that, that we like to eat up there they have probably the best cheese curds brother snow that i've ever had nothing like fried wisconsin cheese curds they're so healthy and so we're getting ready to go eat at this place and the reason i like the place is really nice it's called tj's and the first time i ever ate there i took a, a picture of myself like this this picture in front of this great big lit up sign called tj's and i'm like this is going to get me brownie points i'm eating the tj's and she's not with me and i'm thinking of her and I, you know so anyway, we like TJ's. And we, we go. We go to, I, I did the same thing one time in Hawaii on my way home from a missions trip, and that didn't go over well. I wrote TJ in the sand on the beach, and that, it didn't do any good. I thought it was romantic, but she didn't because she wasn't with me. And so I, I'm trying to make a point here, and you guys won't let me. I'm getting sidetracked. So we're getting ready to go to TJ's. It's a nice place. It's not the cheapest place. not super expensive. Just kind of moderate family dining place. Very nice place to go eat and have good food. We've ate junk food all day long because we had fried cheese curds there as well. And so we're going to get something good for dinner. Like we're on our way. We're, We're changing clothes. We're on our way to eat. And I look over and Lauren is getting up. My oldest, she's 17 years old and has a brain of her own. She's getting up in the cabinet. I'm fixing to take her somewhere and buy her a meal that's probably 15 bucks for whatever she's going to get. And she's reaching up in the cabinet to buy a $2.79 bag of Doritos. <laughs> now, I can tell you right now that I would have been happy with that if I would have known that she would have ate the Doritos and then wouldn't have ordered the $15 meal. But kids can be frustrating when you're, you're about to take them somewhere and feed them something that you know is good or you stood over the stove and you've prepared and then they come to the table and they push the plate away because they are full. And so it's very interesting how badly people need the Lord when they're hungry. But as soon as they get their belly full and he sustains them enough for them to go back home and finally get back on their own two feet, it's amazing how quickly they reject the ministry of the provider when they've already been provided for. Man, I'm, I, I, I'm telling you, I, I got this is a long runway, Bishop. I'm like, I can't even get the throttle in today. I'm just rolling along here. It's incredible how quickly people can disregard the words of the master when they've got all they want from him, and now they're not as hungry as they used to be. And that's when you realize this was never about following him. It was really just about getting what I wanted. I'm not preaching this to be negative today. I've come to tell somebody whether you think you need him or not, you need him. I I, I ordered, that night I ordered at TJ's, I ordered this little meal, it was a little small sirloin steak on top of uh, gnocchi pasta, no I wasn't low carbon or anything like that, I was was eating good food. I wasn't even trying to be good. It was a, a, a gnocchi pasta and, and a wonderful sauce and asparagus. It was a beautiful little meal that I ate. And and, and and it's interesting when you start comparing how that can feed you and you get those greens in you and those vegetables in you and that, that protein in you and then you look at that bag of Doritos and you read the contents that's on there and there's nothing in there that will keep you and sustain you. Oh, but it's so Wonderful. And so, what I'm trying to make uh, a point to you very simply is this is that if you, if you are willing to set a, a, a ribeye steak down in front of a 10 year old uh, or a big hot fudge Sunday with a cherry on top and say, take your pick, they're going to take what satisfies and not what sustains. It's so crazy right now because I feel like I'm preaching and somebody's somebody's picking up on what I'm saying right now. Somebody's picking up what I'm putting down. It's not always about what makes us feel good. Sometimes we need something that's going to stick to our ribs and sustain us that's going to last when the day gets long and the day gets hot and we get weary. We need something that will feed us. I want to tell you right now that he is worth more to me than just the loaves and the fish. And so, so everybody doing okay? Because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get there this morning, man. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm trying. I'm, I'm pushing the gas pedal for all I got. But I, 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 I want to tell you this morning that our relationship with God is often based on what we receive when we come to His house. In other words, by how inspired we become. I was praying uh, early this morning, and I began to think on the goodness of the Lord, and obviously, uh, you know coming back home is always wonderful when you come into the weekend and it's saturday night and you know you got to preach the next day and you're like just forget it you might as well just get up and walk the floor all night because you got church tomorrow and so I'm, I'm i'm thinking about the day and i'm thinking god i want to help somebody i, I want i want to inspire somebody i want somebody to leave inspired and there's nothing wrong with inspiration there's nothing wrong with with being inspired. But I'm telling you that a constant diet of nothing but inspiration is the same as sitting down and eating Doritos and hot fudge Sundays all the time. And when we come to the house of the Lord and the measure of quote unquote good church is by how inspired we left. And so I was praying early this morning and I don't even know how many of you remember this old song. You, you you may, Brother McLean. We used to sing it here. It said, I'm so tired of being stirred, but not being changed. And that's what I began to pray to the Lord this morning. I was singing that old song. Lord, I'm so tired of being stirred but not being changed. I'm so tired of being inspired. But when it comes down to following you, Lord, when the loaves and the fish run out, when the doggy bag testimony is over and my take home and carry out has all been dried up and I realize there's an easier way and something that requires less commitment, I realize then I've been inspired. But I don't want you everybody doing okay God if you'll put my marriage back together we'll serve you faithfully and then he put your marriage back together and you go back to doing the same thing that made it fall apart that means you love loaves and fishes you don't love the body (laughs) Am I preaching all right, Bishop? Lord, if you'll intervene in this court case, I'll serve you. If you'll get me out, if you'll deal with the heart of that judge. I'm just going to tell y'all something that's not an easy statement to make and it's probably even harder to receive. There's some people that aren't going to be saved if they're not locked up. You can be seated. Kind of like the boy that came forward, his mother brought him up to the preacher, the evangelist that was preaching that night. God was doing all kinds of miracles and there was a healing line. So the boy got up in front of, of, of the preacher and he was very intense, you know, been laying hands on everybody praying. And the mother speaks up and she says, could you please pray for my boy's hearing? And he sticks his fingers in, the, in his ears and prays the prayer of faith and he takes his hands out off his ears and he says, can you hear me? He said, yes, I can hear good, but... My hearing's not till Tuesday. So. His mother wanted prayer for his hearing before the judge. See, I'm explaining this to you. This is how my wife tells jokes. She tells the jokes and then explains what it means. I'm like, yes, honey, I got it. Some, some of us, some of us come forward. Listen, I, I, I really want to preach this so very bad, but I got to get to where I'm going. I'm, in, I'm, I'm building this introduction to get somewhere. There were 12 baskets full of fragments that remained. You can tell the people that are really in it to win it when the fragments run out. Come on now. All right. come on. Because some people will use the fragments to get back to where they came from. Yeah. And keep on doing what they're doing. And others will choose to follow in a deeper measure. But it gets so costly. And so I was reading in John 6 this week. And I got to this part that said that many of the disciples. So we can break this down a little bit easier. So all of these people that came in to follow after him because of what he had done. It said that many of them went back at this time. Now, this is, this is so important. Many of them went back at this time. Verse 66. From that time. What time? The time that he asked them the question, does this offend you? Because you're not going to get to the Father except it's by me. Right, 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 right. And from the time that he started asking the question, are you offended? Yeah. Oh, my, 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 my. So many of us have a revelation of God that is based solely on disappointment of what he did not do for us when we asked him to do it. Mm -mm -mm. that's pretty heavy in this room right now but I asked him to heal me he didn't heal me I asked him to heal my family he didn't heal I asked him to heal my didn't he did I asked him to give me that job he didn't give me the job and our revelation of him is based on what we asked him to do and he didn't do and so because of that we feel like he's let us down and from that time from that time many will turn away They serve him long enough to find out what he can do. And if his will doesn't match their will from that time. Woo! Somebody shout from that time. You have to be able to recognize that time in your life. Because that time is the crossroad of decision making right there. Where he gives you the option to either be offended or to be a follower. You have to make an intentional decision. I refuse to be offended when God's answer is not the answer that I wanted. So it's easy to get offended when you're not hearing what you like to hear. Enticing words of men's wisdom. Tickling ears. It's easy to get offended, and that's why Jesus asked that. He knew in his heart, the Bible said, from the beginning he knew. He knew when he looked at those people what they were there for. He knew why they had come. Their life was in a mess, so to speak. And he knew that when the reserves ran out and they had figured out their own plan, they weren't as hungry as they used to be. They were going to go their own way. But it's at that time, that crossroad in your life, and I'm preaching this because I believe somebody in this house today is at that time. Time, I believe that somebody in this house today is at that point of the crossroad in your life where you're going to choose to be offended because you didn't get the answer you wanted or you're going to make up in your mind that come what may, no matter what it costs me, no matter how far I have to go, I will follow after him. From that time, from that time. So confusion creates quite the conundrum in the heart and the mind of someone who's willing to make a commitment at an altar that's difficult to keep when real life comes. And we've left no room for reality in our theology. Because we have dictated what would be the will of God. I feel like God wants me to have this. I feel like God wants to heal this. I feel like God wants to do this. And then we set this thing up that if He doesn't do that, then apparently He's failed. But we all know that He don't fail. So so, so maybe... His failure is not the problem. Maybe it's my inability to understand what he's been trying to speak to me. And it's simply this little process that we find tucked away as a treasure in the scriptures of the word of God. All things work together for the good. Oh my my. All things work together for the good of them who are. You are called. You have been called according to to His purpose, not your purpose and not your plan, but His purpose. you got to know this morning that when you come to that time in your life, you've got to stand up and say, Father, you're working this for my good, and when I can't see what you're doing, I still trust you, and I believe it. One of these days, I'm going to get me a, Figure out a way in this great big old pulpit to build a keyboard in, so I can just start singing what I want to sing while I'm preaching. <laughs> I need one of them things put up here while I'm talking to you and just start playing. Cause I, I started to text him this morning. Denny's been very, very sick. Denny Livingston wrote a song that me and me and Dan used to sing all the time. The Song is, Where Do You Go? When you leave the Lord, and I, w- I was seeing that this morning. I, I just I couldn't get it out of my spirit because I guess just because of what I'm preaching. But Jesus, oh. Jesus looked at his disciples when the large group of disciples walked away, and he said, "Are you gonna go too? Yeah, gonna leave also. Are, are are you are you going backslide too?" Yeah. Are, are you guys going to walk away? Because now I've, I've laid it out of not, not what it takes to just show up and come to me, you know. Not just to receive me, but, but like you're, now you're going to have to live for me. And, and Simon asked this question. He said, to whom shall we go? Now this same word in the scripture, to whom, whom the word whom, this same word is used Uh, in the scriptures in several different ways. The only time it's used as whom is in this this passage right here, but 249 times, 249 times, the same word is used as what. So what Peter is saying is not only to, to whom, but what? Like, what else is there? Like, are you going to leave me? Like, what else is there? And that's when you know the mind has been made up. When you can answer his question with your question. Are you going to leave me for what? What is there that's possibly out there that's better than the words that you're speaking to me right now? What is there that's better than the words of eternal life? I'm going to bring this all together for you right now. The big crowd didn't care about eternal life. They cared about sustaining their life right now with a loaf and with fish. But Peter said, if I starve to death, but I'm walking with the bread of life, I've got more. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Life is not in the bread. Life is not just in the fish. It's not just in the loaves and the fish. The life is in the blood. And the blood's got to be over your life. You've got to. Oh, my, my. He said, if you don't drink of my blood and eat of my body, you have no part with me. Understand me when I tell you he is a provider. And when you need it, the loaves and the fish will be there. But I would rather have Jesus than to have the miracle. I I started to text Brother Livingston this morning, but I couldn't get song. Of my mind I don't have the time to sit down and play it and sing it I started singing the words of that verse, Mother I guess you thought you had a right to turn and say goodbye you don't need the Lord you've got somewhere else to go you traded your peace for pain your joy turned into shame maybe you weren't so smart cuz it all cost your soul why did you think that you could live the rest of your life without him the question that I'm asking and I'd like to know where do you go where do you go when you leave the Lord where will you hide When you leave his side, who will calm your storm and who will keep you warm? Tell me, where do you go when you leave the Lord? And then it's like my magic memory just came alive. It's like I I couldn't forget the words of the song. probably haven't sang it in 20 years. It's been forever. And I can hear Corey singing it. Is it really all that fun? When you turn and run, embracing things you once said were so wrong. And how do you stand and fight when God's not on your mind? Perhaps that's why the nights are cold and long. And this right here, when I started singing this, tears came to me. And it was like I started preaching this sermon before I ever walked up here. It said, there is no place that can relieve us. And there is nobody like my Jesus. I'm so glad that I found out. And now I know there is nowhere else to go. Denny, I know you'll probably never hear this message, but I want to thank you for writing a song to remind me there's nowhere else to go when you leave him. What's the alternative? Where could I go? For what? Where would I hide? I'm I'm hurrying to a close. Oh God, oh God! You're gonna leave too? For what? Yeah, what? Yeah. Two hundred and forty-nine times. What? One time? Whom? So you could you could literally translate this verse if you'd like. You 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 can change this around in the Greek, and it doesn't change. It doesn't. I, I'm trying to uh, trying to do this with accuracy. It doesn't change the fidelity of the scripture if you were to say for for where, where, where could we go, to whom could we go, to what could we go. You could use that kind of interchangeably and it doesn't change the fidelity. Where could I go? To whom could I go? To what could I go that could ever replace the words of eternal life that you're speaking to me right now? I don't know that there's anywhere else to go. And then Peter speaks up and he, he starts trying to speak for the family. And 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 I've preached this part right here 50 times this morning. I've preached this over and over in my mind this morning. This part right here, he said, because we we believe. We we believe and we are sure. This 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 scripture. It it, it says literally, we we believe and we are confident. We know beyond a doubt. We believe and there's no doubt in us. But listen, it's Simon Peter that's speaking. He said, we believe and there's no doubt in us. There's there's zero doubt in us. And he's speaking for the group. And so Jesus speaks up and somewhat just demolishes that idea. And he says, you can't speak for the group, Peter. You got to speak for you because I chose 12 of you. And one of the 12 is a devil. In other words, the group can't speak for you and you can't speak for the group. It doesn't matter if you're surrounded by 30 or 300. There's nobody in this house today that can make up your mind for you. There's nowhere else to go when you leave the Lord. I'm convinced of that. But you've got to get convinced of that. To what? Where? To whom? Because we are convinced. No, Peter. We're not convinced. You are. You're, you're convinced. But there's one among you that is not convinced. And then the writer lets us in on the secret. He said, this spake he of Judas knowing that he would betray him. But Jesus didn't say that part. John did. Jesus just left it hanging out there. Are there not 12 of you, but one of you is a devil? And so all of a sudden, 12 men are searching their soul. There's only 12 of us. And 11 men made up their mind. That, some, some, some have questions as to when they really decided, you know. And, and, and Peter kind of goes through this little moment at the betrayal. I, I, I get all that. But we know he made his way back and he, he came back. There were 11 men that decided, I believe, right there. I believe that, Brother Stephen. I believe right there that 11 men made up their mind. But one of them walked out unsure. I'm fixing to preach to somebody right here. I'm bringing this to a close. Music can come if if you'd like to come. Listen. What Judas could not settle in his heart that day, he ended up selling that part of of his heart and his mind that wasn't established and made up, and he sold that for 30 pieces of silver. I'm going to preach this to you right here, and I need this to, I, I need this to find some good soil because it's good seed. He sold that, that part of uncertainty for 30 pieces of silver. But I want to show you that that spirit never changes in the heart of a man because a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. At this point in his life, 30 pieces sounded like an amazing deal. But when Judas got finished with the betrayal, the Bible said that he went back to the Sanhedrin. And he threw all 30 pieces of silver back at their feet. Because it wasn't as good of a deal as he thought it was. He lost everything that he gained. Because he could not make up his mind. There's a quote, and it's, you can find it on the Internet. It's, uh, some, sometimes it's written a little bit different, but I'm going to give you the gist of it. I really don't even know exactly how the author said it verbatim. You'll find it several different ways, but this is, this is basically what it says. You are never a fool, and listen very closely to this. You are never a fool to lay down what you cannot keep. In order to pick up what you cannot lose. Did did I lose you? You're never a fool to lay down what you can't keep. In order to pick up what you cannot lose. Peter goes before them. His speech betrays him. They know that he's with the Messiah. It's undeniable. And he realizes in that moment, I have so much more to lose than I do to gain. So I'm going to lay down what I cannot keep. And I'm going to pick up what I cannot lose. And know that I'm not a fool in doing it. But the alternative of where do you go when you leave him it's really not up for question, as a matter of fact, it's answered very plainly. When Judas leaves Jesus, takes the 30 pieces of silver, betrays the Lord, and then goes back to the Sanhedrin and dumps the 30 pieces of silver on the floor, the next move for him was self-destruction. I came to preach as simple as I can preach this morning. It doesn't get any more simple than this. This is, this is ABC 123 preaching this morning. I've come to help somebody. And, and, and I want to say this very calm, cool, and collected. I want you to get this in your spirit. The only alternative that you have from this point today of following Jesus is a road that leads to destruction. The scripture says so plainly that there is a way that seems right to a man oh lord please let these people feel what i feel right now there is a way there was no confusion about it. there is a way there's a way it, it's a it's a literal way there's a way that seems right to man but the end of that way is destruction it feels right it seems right to me right now it feel, it feels good But the end of that way is destruction. I'll come on this Sunday morning very simply to reach beyond the pulpit to any pew, including the back one. I know sometimes preachers are saying, oh, I'm preaching to the ones on the back. I'm I'm preaching from the front row to the back row. I'm preaching to the parking lot, and anybody that sees this on the internet. Where are you gonna go if you leave him? What's the alternative? Oh God. Let's all just bow our heads right now. I feel the Holy Ghost. Father, you have spoken in this house today. The call has been made, your word has spoken life. So, right now, I plead the blood of Jesus over this room and I silence every voice. Of iniquity that would speak into the ears of these precious people of which you have purchased with your own blood. And I pray right now, Lord, with every head bowed and every eye closed, that you would give somebody the courage to step out by faith right now and make their way to this altar. and Say, Lord, I'll give you everything I've got. I'll give you everything I have in my life withholding nothing from you today father because there is no alternative to following you where shall we go to what shall we go and to whom shall we go let's stand our feet today if you would just keep your heads bowed right now the holy ghost is moving through this room This is a very small window of opportunity that God has given to somebody right now to get your heart right with God. I'm asking you if you feel the convicting touch of the hand of God that you wouldn't reject his gentle nudge today. Because there are people in here that can testify to you that if you ignore that gentle nudge for long enough, sooner it becomes a stronger nudge and eventually he'll talk to you in a way where you're going to hear it or you're going to disregard it completely. So I'm reaching for you if you would today. This is not about fear. I don't want fear to move you today, and I don't want you to just be inspired to move. I want you to step forward today because you're you're willing to make a commitment to Him. Lord, there's no alternative. I'm tired of being unhappy. I'm I'm, I'm tired of going through this all the time in my mind. It's a never-ending battle.